You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to look at some of the players that have been performing well for the Winnipeg Jets. We're going to look specifically at Laurent Brossois and, of course, touch on the trade deadline as we are getting closer. All of that and more on today's show. Okay, so starting things off, kind of some news and notes. Some of the players who've been playing well for the Jets. I know you want to talk about Kulikov. I would like to mention Tanev, uh, and then both of us, obviously, fans of Niku. Uh, you go first. Tell us a little bit about Kulikov and why you've liked his play. Well, Kulikov is a, a really polarizing player in Winnipeg because he got that big contract uh, for the start of last season. Let's use polarizing here loosely because there have been polarizing players in Winnipeg, guys like... Evander Kane and Jacob Truba. So, I don't think so, Kulikov so maybe the, quite the, has the, the, the same. The player himself is not polarizing to the degree of those other players. I, I would say it's arguably one of the most debated contracts at the time. True, at the time. Because you're right. giving $4.3 million to a, a hurt player that nobody has any idea what he's like, that's a lot to kind of give up to stick him on your third pairing and then for him to get hurt. So at the time, the signing was maybe a polarizing move. But I think Kulikov has been excellent as of late. After he's finally been healthy now, uh, over pretty much a year and a half since uh, coming to the Jets, he's finally healthy. He's finally making good, solid plays. He looks back to the way he probably should have looked a long time ago, just w- with all the bad luck he's had. Uh, him and Tyler Myers now have been playing quite well together as a unit. Tyler Myers also has been playing better as of late after Bufflin went down. But Kulikov... The thing that strikes me about him is you've never really seen his upside before in Winnipeg, uh, specifically his offensive upside. And now he's making great plays in the neutral zone. Uh, there's one time he made a, a rush a couple games ago, split almost like three defenders coming in off the rush, that sort of thing. He just looks way more comfortable and calm out there, way more than I've ever seen him before. Now, is that because he's healthy? Is that because Myers is playing better? Is Myers playing better or is Myers being benefited from Kulikov or is it just chemistry? Well, I think they've always played half decent together. When, when you look at them last year when they were both healthy, I think one of the biggest things, they were talking about it on the radio the other day, one of the biggest things about coming back from an injury is getting the belief out of your head that you're going to get re-injured. And anybody who's had an injury, you probably understand what I'm talking about. There's that fear going through you as you play the games after getting hurt and coming back that I'm going to do the exact same thing again. I'm going to have, I'm going to tweak that same injury. Um, I've had multiple ankle injuries, the nature of being a basketball player. Um, the first couple of weeks back after getting healthy are always the scariest because if you're jumping up for a rebound, you don't know, you don't know where you're landing. Are you going to hit somebody's foot, turn your ankle again and reset the entire process? And I think that can happen a lot of times for NHL players, even more magnified, especially depending on what the issues are when you're getting into some back injuries, more chronic, more chronic injuries, this affects not just your playing, but it affects your life as well. And once you can get that out of your head, that there is no harm in me going into the corner hard, there's no way I'm going to get re-hurt. Once you're fully 100% healthy physically, and then in your head as well, understanding that, I think that's when your game finally can transform. And so that's kind of what we're seeing now from Kulikov. Yeah, that's my opinion, is that he's finally 100% healthy physically and mentally as well that he's not going to get re-hurt. I think the Jets are getting good enough defense uh, from these guys and they're playing well enough. 
uh, especially being having to play more minutes with Myers now that Bufflin's out. And then now with Sherratt out as well, it's giving other guys more opportunity. Cam Schilling was called up again by the Jets. He's probably not going to get into the lineup. But then Sammy Niku getting some time as well. Uh, he was playing with Joe Morrow, correct? Yeah, so that was the third pairing because Kulikov and Myers becomes a second pairing. Morrow and Niku becoming that third pairing uh, with Ben Sherratt not playing um, currently as well. But we wanted to touch on Niku a little bit as well because he's looked... Uh, quite solid in his in his games for Winnipeg. The thing that strikes me about him is his his absolutely phenomenal skating ability. Yeah, and I was actually talking with somebody. We were at Bell MTS Iceplex, and he saw the poster of the Moose, and then there was Niku on it. And some of the guys didn't know who that was, and the other guy was like, "Ah, there's a fringe player. Or there's kind of a bubble player. He might not stick around for a while." And I'm like, "Well." Here's a guy who's got a lot of promise. Like, he's still young. Like, I'm not writing him off at all. Yes, right now he's a fringe player because he is kind of on the bubble between the Moose and the Jets. But you look at the way that he plays, he's got the skills to be an NHL defenseman. I'm not going to overestimate him and say he's going to be a top-pairing guy. I don't want to hype him up too much. And I think that sometimes happens with prospects and young players that, oh, they're going to be whatever, fill in the blank. But the way he was skating, you notice him on the ice. He got into overtime uh, in against Anaheim. He's a player who, once the rest of his processing and ability moves along in the offensive zone, he has some great skills the way he can hang onto the puck. He's so fast. He's so uh, agile. Some guys might be worried about his size, but if his skating can overcome that, there's so much potential there. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Niku, he thrives on a constant play. So what I'm meaning by that is is plays up and down the ice is where Niku absolutely thrives. His skating ability is off the charts. Uh, the tight turns he can make is unreal. The passing ability is there as well. When, when it's that run and gun high octane style, that suits his game perfectly. And, and you can tell he's comfortable with that. It's when you get into the stagnant defensive zone, um, that sort of thing. If he gets hemmed in, that's when he doesn't look as good. Or even in the offensive zone, when things get a little bit stagnant and they're just cycling the puck, he does not thrive in those areas. He thrives off the, off the rush and that, and that quick game back and forth because of his skating and because of his, his skill, like you said. It, it's definitely there. Everything else just kind of has to catch up now. Now, one other player we wanted to look at. Is there anything else you had on uh, Niku? No, I think hopefully he can get in a couple more games. Like you said, though, he is a fringe player. Will he go back to the Moose? Likely, when everybody comes back, specifically Bufflin. Um, but he's definitely that guy you can call up, and, and you know he can play with the Winnipeg Jets if you need. Yeah, I think he's a guy who can stick in the future. Whether he sticks fully this season well, we'll have to wait and see, but down but I, the road. I think for sure next year, he's got to be in a Jet uniform. I I am 100% there as well. And if he stays up this year, I'm happy with that too. And one other player I wanted to mention, and here's a guy who's also been and a little bit polarizing in the fact that there's been a lot of guys who have negatively uh, been harping on him, Brandon Tanev. And he was actually one of those guys when he first started the podcast as well, and this was a couple of years ago, seeing Brandon Tanev on the team, a lot of people wondered... Why? Why is Brandon Tanev there? Yes, he can skate fast, but that is it. He doesn't bring a lot extra to the club. There's maybe a little bit of defense there with him, but a lot of people had issue with him on the team, and it's not like he was a big fighter either. He's a guy who's really changed my opinion of him by the way he's progressed. You could say it's because of his line mates, but the way he's played with Lowry, it's been a great tandem for the Jets. Yeah, you're exactly right. The thing about Brandon Tanev, when he first came to the Winnipeg Jets, we used the term he was allergic to the puck. 
because that's how he looked in his first season. The puck never stayed on his stick. It was a, a dump and chase. When he got the puck, it was right off his stick. He hardly generated any chances in his first season, and he did not look good. Now, his first season, looking at the numbers, he had a three-game call-up. We're not going to count that at the end of the 2015-16 season. But 16-17, his first rookie season, 51 games for the Jets, four points. Uh, He was a minus six. You don't want to count tons of plus minus. Uh, But he was on the negative side of things. Wasn't the greatest season for him. Last season, he kind of took a bigger role on and he really found chemistry on the TLC line. He had 18 points in 61 games. Now, this season, halfway through the year, 46 games in before the All-Star break, he's already got 10 goals, and he's got 9 assists for 19 points. He's a plus player, again, take what you will with plus minus, but he's a guy who plays a lot on the penalty kill, he's out there in some hard minutes, and Maurice is giving this line a lot of ice time, or at least a good solid chunk of ice time for the Winnipeg Jets. Last year, they had three kind of scoring lines, and then the TLC line was the fourth checking line that got a fair amount of ice time. Now, they've kind of gone backwards in a sense that they've got two real heavy scoring lines, the third line checking line that's starting to contribute more, which is good, and then they've got the fourth line, which isn't getting as much ice time as what we saw maybe the fourth line getting in the playoffs last year. Yeah, so Brandon Tanner, like you said, having a, a career year, definitely. Um, yeah, he's already passed last year in points, and he's halfway through the season. Yeah, as far as the advanced stats go, we know last year uh, the TLC line were um, advanced stats darlings. They led in nearly every category across the league, actually, as well in some of those categories. Uh, but Tanner this year as well, also pretty strong in those categories. He's fourth on the Jets in scoring chances for um, at 53%. So when he's on the ice, the Jets get 53% of the chances for scoring chances. Um, As far as high danger scoring chances, he's third on the team at 57%. Uh, So that's as per Natural Stat Trick, a great stats website if you want to check them out. Um, But that means he's getting not only scoring chances, but the high danger chances as well. Um, Definitely getting those pucks in. And and you can see that by his game. The types of goals he scores are not flashy. Those those hard-working wraparounds, jam plays in front of the net, pouncing on rebounds, that's how he scores, but that's how he needs to, just given his style. Absolutely, and I think there needs to be balance in any lineup, and that's great to see. I just feel that if the Jets want to have a long playoff run, they need to kind of figure out that fourth line, getting being able to get them more minutes. And then here's kind of another question. Is Brendan Lemieux last year's Tanev, or the year before his Tanev? Oh yeah, maybe he's first year's Tanev. First year's Tanev. So... I was actually thinking that as well. Lemieux hustles. There's no doubt about that. He doesn't maybe quite have the speed that Tanev does, but he has that allergicness to the puck that we saw Tanev having in his first season as well, that he doesn't really handle the puck well. It's a very simple, get the puck on your stick, get the puck off your stick, and go chase after it. And that's what we're seeing with Lemieux. Could he build on that like Tanev has? I don't see why not. Yeah, he had, this, he had the offense in junior. Exactly. So those skills are there. It's just... Trying to find them is the tough thing. Uh, my question is, is Brandon Tanev a Winnipeg Jet next season? With, with an expiring contract, what's he worth? There's a lot of teams That's that are willing question. to pay for, for a third or fourth line grinder that can score 10 or 15 goals. See, I don't know if he can score 10 or 15 goals away from Adam Lowry. Right. Because and, and Adam, Lowry, but will Adam somebody, Lowry is a big piece to that. But will somebody pay him for that? So is he a Winnipeg Jet next year? That's probably the toughest question to answer right now. And again, if you can get him at a reasonable price, yes, absolutely you want him on that bottom line. I have 
come to believe Brandon Tanev is a very valuable piece to the Winnipeg Jets. You can't have all your everybody in your lineup making six, seven million. It just doesn't work for cap reasons. I think he's a very valuable part to the Jets if you can get him at the right price. I think he's happy here in Winnipeg. I've I heard an interview with him the other day. I have no reason to believe he's not. I don't know, like discount wise, that's irrelevant. But I think he would want to stay in Winnipeg if they can give him a reasonable contract. And obviously it depends on what other teams are going to offer, but I don't know if he gets to free agency. I think the Jets would try and sign him up before he can talk to other teams. Yeah, I totally agree. The Jets probably want to. My only worry is if they overpay for him. Um, Is Brandon Tanev somewhat replaceable? To a degree, right? Possibly to a degree, right? You could say that maybe all third or fourth line players like that are are replaceable. For a a third line winger, I wouldn't want to replace Adam Lowry because I think he's more important. But a guy like... harder to replace. Exactly. Way tougher to replace. But for a bottom line winger that can skate fast and chip in a few goals? Because we've seen guys like Perot, we've seen Kopp, we've seen Tanev. Those are three different players who've gelled well with Adam Lowry. I think Lowry's the centerpiece of that line. Centerpiece, obviously. But I think that finding guys who have that similar style around him, if all of a sudden Tanev leaves and Lemieux takes that spot, I think Lemieux, Lemieux could potentially, if you rein in some of his penalties and some some of that sometimes. But again, that's a, a whole other conversation, and we're kind of getting away from this initial topic of looking at those three players. Uh, one other thing, should we now maybe go into the trade deadline, or do you want to maybe head into uh, Laurent Brossois as far as looking at good players? Let's talk, talk about Brossois first, and then we'll hit the trade deadline last. All right, so Brossois up next. So Laurent Brossois, he's been playing amazing for the Winnipeg Jets. What does he have a record of like 10-1-1? and Yeah, and I think that's uh, that one loss is a game he didn't actually start. Um, right, so he's 10-0-1 in yeah. games he's started. Now, they were looking at his stats before this last start against Vegas. Most of those uh, starts are against really lousy teams. Teams out of the playoff picture or some fringe playoff picture teams. But... He gets the start against Vegas, and people are kind of scratching their heads at that. A good team, a team the Jets met in the playoffs. Why wouldn't you want to give Hellebuck another shot at Vegas in Winnipeg? But I don't mind the move. I've heard of some coaches maybe thinking, well, if we meet them in the playoffs again, then they won't have seen Hellebuck. Or There's different strategies, and everybody has a different opinion on that of why you start certain guys when. I don't know. I think because he's been playing well, they wanted to get him a start yet before the All-Star break. I don't mind it. No, I totally agree. And I think you're going to see a lot more of Brossois, especially down the stretch here. I think the Jets want to give Hellebuck as much rest as possible. Um, he has not played quite up to the what we saw last year from Hellebuck for whatever reason. Uh, he has played a lot of hockey in the last couple of years, though, Hellebuck has. So maybe giving him a little bit more rest, um, maybe not a true 50-50 split, but instead of a 80-20, maybe it's more of a 60-40 or 70-30 going down the stretch, giving him some good opportunities to rest recuperate, relax, so he is absolutely 100% for the playoffs. I remember, I like your fear factor index uh, as far as measuring a goaltender's ability, which is completely subjective, but I remember at the beginning of the season, I was kind of a little bit fearful when Brossois was in the net. Again, because you just seen his numbers from Edmonton, and you didn't really know what you had in a goaltender. Is this kind of a case of Devin Dubnik, Devin Dubnik where he's bounces around to a bunch of teams, has some really terrible stats, but a lot of people still believe he's a good goaltender, comes to the right situation and thrives, or are we still in the too small of sample size yet? Well, it's tough. I think he's played, what, 40 games in his career in the NHL? So you have not even the equivalent of one year's worth, you have not even equivalent of half a year's worth of games. And, and people are were saying, oh, well, he can't ever play in the NHL, and now you have people saying he's worthy of being the starter. 
Yeah, I think whoever's saying that he's worthy of being the starter, I think we still need to uh, give your head a shake. Like, let's be real here. Here's a guy who's never been a starter. He's had a few good starts this year for the Jets, and I'm not knocking what he's done, but I, I am not even close to saying he's the starter yet. I am very happy with Connor Hellebuck still. Yeah, I totally agree. It's not, there's not even close to a goalie controversy a, no. at all. And that's what I want to squash with this segment. There's no goalie controversy, but we are very happy that Brossois is playing well. Yes, 100%. Okay, so do we need to add anything to this? Is there anything do we want to add? Just because he's been so good, uh, and I like numbers, I'm going to throw some more out at, at you. Like you said, he's 10-1-1 technically. Uh, he's got a 9.43 save percentage and a 2.01 goals against. Um, the 9.43 is the best save percentage in the league among goalies with at least 10 starts. So kind of looking at the, the threshold of guys playing multiple games, um, he's by, by and large the best. Whenever he's played at least four games in a season, he that's his best save percentage as well. There we go. Small sample sizes. Um, but according to Natural Stat Trick as well, um, he's third in the league with 11.3 goals saved above average. So they work in a bunch of numbers. What should he have saved? What did he actually save? So essentially, Brassois has saved 11 more goals than an average goalie would have. That sounds pretty good. And I think roughly it's about... That works out to one per game. Right. And I think the equivalent roughly is about three goals per win. So you could say Brassois has between three to four extra wins for the Winnipeg Jets on the season. Sure. And and the interesting thing thing about this is that um, it's a counting stat, which means the more you play, the more you have opportunities to get better numbers. So the fact that Brassois is third in the league while only playing 12 games, is absolutely outrageous. So right. Because you, you it's not an average, it's a total. It's a total counting stat. So you have a guy like Pecorine, I think he was very high up there as well, because Pecorine has played quite a few new games, has been good, and he's near the top. That's even more impressive when he's only played 12 games, and he's third in the league with 11.38 goal saved above an average goalie. Um, as far as high danger save percentage, natural stat trick tact, tracks a lot of high danger chances, scoring chances, things like that. Uh, Brossois has a high danger save percentage of 923, which is absolutely outrageous. Most guys' total save percentages are 923. That's a good goalie. To have that on a high danger scoring chance, absolutely mind-boggling. Nobody else is over 900. So most people, when they get a high danger scoring chance against, their save percentage drops to the 800s. Brassois is at a 9.23 on those high danger chances. Absolutely unreal from him. So he, he's not just big and boring, which he is, but he's score or he's stopping those high danger chances at an unbelievable rate right now. And so now I think it's kind of squashed the debate with Eric Comrie. I think it, at the start of the season it was like, oh, is it going to be Comrie or Brassois? Nobody's talking about that anymore. It's all Brassois is the backup, and I think as long as he keeps playing like the way he is, and if there's one or two losses here and there, it's not the end of the world. Let's not panic. And I think for Connor Hellebuck, he's still at a 908 save percentage. You'd like that to climb up a little bit. But, but, but the thing this year, though, across the league, the save percentages are down. Exactly. So that's actually league average right now. In, in most other years, save percentage or league average save percentage is near the 912 mark. Now it's actually dropped four points to 908. So Hellebuck's exactly league average right now. It's not like he's, oh, Hellebuck's not good. Well, no, he, he's average. He, he's what you want. And I always harken back to the quote Paul Marie said, if we can just get average goaltending, 
will be a good team because the rest of the team is so good, right? Yeah. And, and now we're exactly. seeing that. Hellebuck exactly. is, is average and we're still winning. Brassois is well above average and he hasn't lost a game. And so now we've talked about this before. Are the Jets still underperforming in your mind? And I think it's hard at this point of the season to say the Jets haven't reached their full potential. And like I think you can still say they can still get better because I think any team has the room to get better. But they are winning hockey games consistently. Right now, as of the time of this recording, they're on a three-game winning streak. It's pretty hard to say, and they're at the top, right at the top of the standings. It's pretty tough to say that the Jets aren't at their peak. No, I totally agree. And most people are saying that because Hellebuck isn't quite at the level he was last year or certain players. But then, like we just There's talked about... always to, certain players that are just talked about players yeah. who are overperforming. Brandon Tanev is. Uh, Kulikov might be. Brassois is. So you have that mix of guys overperforming, guys underperforming. It is probably similar to what we would have expected from the Jets. And so now, this is just my thoughts when it comes to coaching. How much does coaching play a factor here? And I was thinking about this the other day in terms of the conversation of old problems the Winnipeg Jets had that they don't really have anymore. Those problems being uh, penalties. It doesn't seem like, and there was a penalty problem against Vegas, but in general as a whole, we're not talking about the Jets taking too many penalties anymore. It doesn't seem to be a factor. They brought in a referee, they did some things at practice, they worked on it. helps that their penalty kill's good now too. That helps t- tons too, but, it's, but as well, they're not taking as many, Correct. Correct, yeah. And so then the other one is uh, Dustin Bufflin looks disinterested. Remember that when they came back to Winnipeg? Bufflin's bad in the dressing room. He looks disinterested. He's not motivated. Well, when you talk about motivating players, everybody always says, oh, the biggest factor. It's all about the coach. The guys aren't listening to him anymore. Well, it seems like Maurice has everybody buying in. And maybe that's on the leadership of Blake Wheeler as well and the way this team has kind of taken off the last couple years and winning will obviously help that. Which comes first, winning or is the the, the attitude? But I w- I'm giving some of this credit to Paul Maurice. Yeah, no, I think you have to, especially in regards to some of those things, like you said, the penalties and that sort of thing. Uh, talking specifically about his defense's own structure recently, uh, a couple of really good articles on the Athletic. Uh, Murat Hatesh doing great work at the Athletic for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, some some great. Um, information from Paul Maurice talking about the defensive structure and how the defense has not been as good as last year. And he's exactly right when you're looking at um, the different charts, where shots are coming from, that sort of thing. Not as good as it was last season. He recognizes that. He's trying to rectify that, get that fixed right away. It's a process. And he's talking about playing defense, not in the defensive zone, but playing defense all the way in the offensive zone. It's, It's all about how you prevent those breakouts, how you prevent those offensive rush chances against he seems like he knows what he's talking about. And to think, and some people would say, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about, or maybe it doesn't seem like it is. I think he is. Oh, I, I would totally agree. And you could argue that maybe he's not listening to some of the advanced stats. Uh, why is Lemieux still in the lineup? Uh, I saw a chart the other day. It was um, Lemieux, is the fourth line currently, Cop, Lemieux, Appleton, and uh, where they're getting shots from. Uh, red being where they generate more from. Blue, where they're getting less than league average. And the entire offensive zone is blue. It was just a big ocean. So obviously something's not quite right with the fourth line. Maurice keeps putting it out there. You could argue that he hasn't been listening to some analytics in that regard, but maybe other places he is with the whole shot attempts or the expected goals, the that sort of side of things. 
Um, so there's also so, so much noise in the analytic community, what you're paying attention to. Data only does so much. It's what you do with the data that's important. Um, so it all depends what you're looking at. But I think Maurice has a decent grasp on what he wants to do, and he's trying to get the Winnipeg Jets to that point. Um, in regards to the defensive structure as well, get them to that point where they were last year on that playoff run. The biggest thing is that when it's when the when the team is losing, it's the coach's fault. When the team is winning, it's the players. And that's what a lot of kind of the analogy has gone with. And we're going to kind of wrap up this segment with that. And so the last bit we want to quickly touch on is the trade deadline, which is still a little ways away. Okay, so the final segment, I think we're just over a month away from the trade deadline, uh, coming up near the end of February. And so now is kind of when a lot of rumors start to heat up. And this is oftentimes when we see some bigger trades because the trade actual deadline day you get a few minor trades and occasionally a bigger one, but oftentimes it's a week or two weeks before. And so now is kind of when the chatter really starts to heat up. And so let's look at a couple of players that have been in the rumor mill. Where you think? What do you think about them for the Winnipeg Jets? And maybe what do you think the Jets should do at the deadline? So first off, uh, let's take a look at a player in the headlines, Mark Stone. Yeah, so Mark Stone's in the headlines because he's in Ottawa, and Ottawa's just absolutely bad, bad in multiple different ways. Uh, but definitely an interesting prospect um, to move at the trade deadline. Arguably the best player potentially available. Um, him and Matt Duchesne, probably the best players available at this time. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see. I don't think the Winnipeg Jets will be in on him as much as it would be great to see Mark Stone playing Winnipeg. He's just going to be too costly down the road. He's going to be too costly to acquire because anybody that wants to acquire him is going to want to lock him up for a long-term deal. And he's a high-impact player, first- or second-line guy. And so when you look at the Jets' wingers, Connor, Wheeler, Ehlers, Line, that is four top-two-line wingers. So really, you're, whether you use them on your top two lines, those are two or those are four guys who are taking up the top four wing spots, really. So you'd have to have one of those guys move out if you're going to get Mark Stone in, in my opinion, because Basically, yeah. you can't have somebody making, well, what are all those guys going to be making? All those wingers are making at least $6 million, right? Yeah, and you're not, moving, going to be. you're not moving Wheeler, you're not moving Line A, so I would assume it's got to be Connors or Ehlers. And, and or Ehlers, or Ehlers. Ehlers locked up to a long-term deal. Connors going to be even more than that. If you bring in Stone, now you have all of your wingers at between six to eight million dollars. You can't have that. No, I don't think it quite works like that because I think you'd want to lock up a more expensive second center opposed to Little. And so then the next question then becomes Matt Duchesne. I don't know if I really like the fit in Winnipeg for Matt Duchesne. I think he could be a decent rental, but I don't know if I'd want to pay the price for Matt Duchesne. Because I just don't, I just, with him moving to Ottawa, his numbers just weren't quite there from Colorado. Maybe a better team like Winnipeg playing in more of like a secondary role with really good wingers would be better for him. I just don't know if I want to take that gamble. No, and specifically the price. I think Stone and Duchesne are going to be one of those highest um, price guys because they are the absolute highest talent guys. They're going to be worth even more than normal. First round pick, a prospect, and maybe a second prospect or another pick, probably, right? Right. It's probably going to be a pick and almost a roster player. And because Basically, I would yeah. say they might almost have more value than Stastny had last year. Well, Ottawa is going to want obviously prospects because they're in a full blown rebuild, right? Or or young roster players. So I'm right. thinking y- y- you have to trade up Roslovic to get one of these guys potentially. And I just don't want to do that for a rental. Right, exactly. For so those guys, anyway. The only thing would be if you could sign them long-term, but we just said you can't. So then I think you're kind of just out on both those guys. The only way I see this happening is all of a sudden you get a deal worked with Edmonton where Edmonton is looking for wingers. We are looking for maybe Mark Stone. If somehow you could package 
Ehlers to Edmonton. You move in Stone into Winnipeg, and then maybe uh, Edmonton getting Ehlers and like a lot of moving parts. What do you think about that? And then prospects and stuff going to Ottawa from Edmonton. I mean, you could, but does Winnipeg want to do that at the trade deadline? I don't know. I think that's just too many. It's probably more of an off-season type move. Probably. And again, with these guys on expiring contracts, again, do you want to move out Ehlers for an expiring well, especially contract? Especially because Ehlers' contract isn't that bad. Well, no, the thing is then you'd have to re-sign Stone is what I'm saying. I'm saying Ehlers has kind of been a fringe guy, or not a fringe, but a fringe top six. Like, do you put him on the top line? He thrives. But as soon as you move him off there, he's had some issues. He doesn't gel too well with line A, so maybe Ehlers is a guy that you move out if you can make sure that you re-sign Stone is what right. I'm saying. But then you run into the issue, you can't re-sign Stone, he chooses to go somewhere else. It's true, you'd have to well, have that signing. he is technically signing. maybe an RFA similar to Truba, you could, but you go through the arbitration process and then it just becomes a whole mess. Right. There's risk there, especially opposed to having Ehlers under contract. So again, I'm kind of on the same boat though with you, just throwing that out there as an option. I know Edmonton has been rumored a lot. Uh, they're looking for wingers as well. Would you want to trade any wingers to Edmonton? Because, but the Jets don't aren't really sellers right now. That's the thing. Well, that's the, that's, that's the thing exactly. Would I love to trade with Edmonton? Probably because you're going to fleece them. Because it always they, happens to Peter Shirelli. Every deal he makes, he loses. Here's what the Jets should almost do. Would you trade Veselainen? That, that, Potentially. The, the problem is Edmonton wants help now because they think they can still get it into the playoffs. Right. So they're buying for this season. Could you get an absolute arm and a leg for Ehlers? Oh, 100%. Edmonton would pay out the wazoo for, for Nikolai Ehlers. A young guy under contract, a, guy who could, a wing, A guy who could young. almost keep up with McDavid. He would be phenomenal alongside McDavid on the top line. Yeah. He would be. He would be. You would be getting multiple. You'd be getting a first-round pick. You'd be getting absolute prize prospects. You'd probably get Darnell Nurse for Ehlers because that's just the way Edmonton works. And so here's the question. If you could get that kind of haul for Ehlers, and he's been out of the lineup for a little while now for the Jets, and they've been playing fairly well without him, Roslevic's kind of moved up on that top unit. You're now moving out $6 million in cap space for a massive return from the Oilers. Yes, the Jets' playoff uh, picture might take a little bit of a hit, but then maybe you could bring in another expensive rental? It, it is, is It is intriguing. Because then if you bring in a rental like Stone for a massive... Uh, return from Ehlers. It is very is, intriguing to do that. Because then, all of a sudden, it gives you more, way more cap space to re-sign Connor, to re-sign Line 8, to re-sign all your other guys. My only issue is that the Jets are in win-now mode. Right. And I no, think I'm, they want the best absolute chances to win this season. Yeah, if, want, if the Jets were a little bit, like, if they were maybe one or two years away still from competing, that would be very tempting. Because that would even bolster their chances two years down the road. But I think the Winnipeg Jets believe they can win a cup in 2019. Absolutely. I think they I'm in that same boat with them. So if you think you can win, no no way ever you're trading Ehlers. Exactly, because the thing is always this. When you're always building for the future, eventually the future has to be now. There is times, I think, where you can trade away pieces and like gain some futures without losing, but at, at some point, the future has to be now. And... And so there, and then there needs to be a balance with fitting under the cap, the future being now, planning for the future, yet trying to win. It's a very tight well, balancing act. And the act. Jets are close to that balance now. So I say you try to win now, you try to win next season for the next two, three, four years, and, and, and you work from there. But I don't think you can trade away a guy like Ehlers now 
especially when you're wanting to win this season. Now, um, as far as trades we might actually make, um, just touching on them briefly, these are just kind of fun speculation. Yeah, and I'm not hating on Ehlers. Don't get that impression. No, he's just... This is a, just speculation for fun. Exactly. Um, I wrote a post on Jets Nation talking about some actual trade targets we could have. A uh, name popping up is Jake Muzzin. Very reliable left-shot D-man. Could definitely bolster, instead of uh, Ben Sherratt, that second pairing with Dustin Bufflin. Muzzin and Bufflin would be a phenomenal second pairing. And then Kulikov Myers. That'd be a great top... Um, six defense. Um, that's one option. If you're looking for a forward, a guy like Wayne Simmons is available. I would love to see Wayne Simmons in our bottom six. I think that'd be a really intriguing um, piece to add. If you had a... Uh, hear me out now. I am. I'm trying to picture where I would put Wayne Simmons in the lineup. Yeah. It, it's a, it's an interesting little thing here, but let's say Ehlers comes back. You have the top line, either Shifley Wheeler. You have the second line, Connor Little, line A, like you had. What happens if you put Perot with Cop and Simmons. No, that'd be a really good third line. Fourth and, line, and then, whatever you want to call it. And then you it. have Tanev, Lowry. Tanev, Lowry, Cop. No, no, you said Cop, Perot. Right, so you have Tanev, Lowry, and Appleton Lemieux or, or Appleton Lemieux or, or, whatever, or anybody else. Player. But it'd be a really interesting dynamic. Simmons is a guy that can play up and down the lineup. He's played with Giroux. He's played with Voracek. He's played with the absolute... Best of the best with skilled players. Could he fit alongside Shifley Wheeler? See, Maybe. I prefer a, a B tier, C tier center again. Kind of like Stastny. Doesn't need to be as good as Stastny, but a player that could potentially play with Line A or could potentially play with Ehlers if you want to spread out yep. the depth. So, I agree with you. And so, like, when Ehlers comes back, getting a center that can play with Perot and Ehlers. And then keep that Roslevic little line A line together. And so that line, I'm really I'm liking Roslevic. He had some really good chances in the last game against Vegas. Wasn't able to finish, but he had some chances. And so now if you could all of a sudden keep that line together, yet get a decent center that play can play with Ehlers and another guy on the wing. So my thought is, I like that idea. And my other thought was look for a center. Uh, the name that's been coming up is Kevin Hayes in New York. I pulled Kevin Hayes' numbers. Uh, they're in that Jess Nation article I was talking about. Um, but his assist totals are off the charts. Absolutely unreal. He's leading the team in assists. I think he's in the top 10 with assist rates, um, like assists per 60 um, in New York. Just a phenomenal passer, great player, young. He could easily fit that role. Can you imagine if you get Hayes having your fourth line or third line, Again, whatever numbers it is, are irrelevant. as Perot, Hayes, and Ehlers? And you reunite TLC as the fourth line. Can you imagine that group for the playoffs? It'd be outrageous. Perot, Hayes, and Ehlers would be a phenomenal bottom six option. And then you reunite TLC as your fourth line. But it's, they get lots of minutes. Like, really, then you could have a full four-man, four-line unit rolling out. Consistently. On a, exactly. So lots of options. I really like that Hayes option. That's kind of the exact kind of type of player that I've been thinking about. Kyle is looking at the numbers to get or, us uh, covered or on that. Could Hayes fit with Line A with those Who knows? assist exactly. Rates. And maybe there is the combination that you finally found, and then Little and Ehlers can play together. But again, so much potential for the Winnipeg Jets. Exciting what's going to happen. I hope they can get something like that done. Still got a few weeks to wait it out. You've been listening to the Jets Nation podcast. Tune in. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Anchor FM. And you can also uh, hit us up on Twitter at Jets and Podcast. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca.